Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. We've got a real cool guest sitting on the other side of our Zoom. Today's going to be a good day. It's cold here, though. I'm fucking freezing. It is so cold. I've got I'm three freezing. layers on today. I've got my like thermal socks. I'm in boots. Like It is unbelievable. This time cold. of year, I, I can't stand it, man. When it goes from, from really nice weather to suddenly you wake up and there's frost and shit on your vehicle. And it's it doesn't like, help that it's wet. I so park it's like inside. A, it's I don't even know why damp, I said that. I know. We have, we have underground parking, anyway. so it doesn't affect us at all. But <laughs> it is very damp outside. And so I came in today with hot drinks. Mark's usually, anyone who like watches the Zoom clips will see he's usually drinking something cold, an iced cap, I something like that. I normally don't like hot beverages. But I, I even brought him a hot chocolate today because it is a cold one. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll warm up as we talk to can our imagine, friend here. Can you imagine <laughs> living in a part of the world... Where it's like this all the fucking no, time. No, thank you. I can I can't Hard do pass. it. I can't do it. Not doing that. <laughs> anyway, hey everyone, it's Amanda, and it is a Thursday morning, and we've got Leslie on the other side of our Zoom, who's a licensed massage therapist in Colorado, as well as the founder of Phenomenal Touch Massage, which some of you may recognize that name from a recent episode that dun, came dun, out dun. with our friend Joe, who's attended our. Uh, massage championships and Leslie heard Joe's episode thought it was really cool also realized there were some things that maybe need to be clear up <clears throat> Amanda may have called her school a cult it is not <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she reached out to us and we said yeah like let's let's do an episode to learn what phenomenal touch massage really is because if any of you remember from that episode with Joe I was like I know it's hard to put things into words but I'm trying to understand what is this training what makes it unique and a little bit of off mic discussion with Leslie I realized she's got other degrees and certifications that it's starting to make a little more sense so I'm going to let Leslie introduce herself so Leslie thank you for hanging out with us this morning I'm sorry I called your school a cult I recognize that it is not and I'd like to start with for our listeners an introduction about you how long you've been practicing as a massage therapist and you know some of the other um education background you have and how Phenomenal Touch was born. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me here today. And I just want to say what you guys do is really cool. And so I'm very glad to be here. So um, my history with massage started when I was five. I was massaging my grandfather's head and feet and he was paying me 25 cents, which was a lot back then since I'm 65 now. And um I just you were the richest had... five-year-old in kindergarten. <laughs> yeah, I was a five-year-old and I was being uh, used for child labor, you know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I was massaging him and he kept saying, and my mom and my dad and my uncles, they all said, wow, you, you have something unique in your touch. And I thought, oh, what, you know, whatever. And then I just touched my whole life. And when I was about... Um, 12, 13, I started doing full body massages on my neighbors, just making it up. And they started saying things to me like, you're better than the people we pay at the spa. And I said, well, I have no idea what I'm doing. So I don't know how that's possible. They've had training. And they said, well, whatever it is, you know, you have a natural talent. And so I just took that and ran with it. I got to Colorado when I was 18. I started a massage practice because back then you didn't need to be licensed. Mm -hmm. You just could do massage. And I started doing massage and I had a full practice right away. I had no idea what I was doing. And then I went to um, Germany. And when I was in Germany, I went to get a massage and I was young and silly and I didn't have enough money to pay for a massage. But I said to the guy, can I trade, give you a massage in exchange? He's the head of the spa in, in Munich. And he says, absolutely not. I don't even know who you are or anything. But, <laughs> who is this but, crazy woman? I don't yeah, exactly. Who is this crazy woman? Him. But if you borrow the money from somebody, and I had some friends with me there, um, pay me. And if after you massage me, I like it, I'll pay you back. So I did that. I gave him a Interesting. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm shocked that he decided to Why offer you that shocked? deal. I don't know. He just paid for a massage the same way everyone else just pays for a massage. No, I mean the fact that 
he was well, he even got willing paid first. he was no, even no, willing no, no. to yeah he got paid basically first. <laughs> he did he did a job he provided a massage therapy service and then got paid and then he received a massage therapy service and paid for that is yes. what happened no right? i understand but i guess no no I i'm more just shocked that he's like this I, crazy woman that offered a barter now I'm going to actually decide to get on her table because I think that if someone came to me that I'd never met before, yeah. I'm maybe I'm just too skeptical of people. Maybe I need to be a little more open. But I think if somebody came in, had booked a massage with me and came in and said, listen, I don't actually have money to pay you, but can we do a trade? I'd be like... Um, no, and I would never want to see them again. I'd be scared. I, don't know. I, 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 I might be. I, I might agree be. with you, Amanda. I agree with you. I mean, I'm I happy. Know. I'm happy he took the chance on you, but wow. Yeah. Okay. I might be open to something like that. But before you, before you rock and roll into that, how do you in Colorado at 18? end up with a full practice like how does yeah, that happen real. tell me how that happens because there's people here that have been doing this with like 10 years 7 8 nine, 10 license. years of experience you know school up the ass and they're like i can't make a dollar doing this and you end up right. with a full practice how does that work well actually i was interviewed several years ago by massage magazine and one of the questions they asked me was what do you recommend to massage therapists to do to advertise to get a full clientele and I said, one thing and only one thing, be the best you can be. If you are extraordinary at what you do, you will get clients. It's word of mouth. I never advertised when I was 18. I gave a massage. They told somebody, they told somebody, and I was fighting people off. So I think it just has to do with whatever it is you're doing. If you're really, really good at it, people will come. I, I agree with that. And even in a place like Toronto, where there's therapists on every corner, you know, it, it can seem like, oh, there's so many therapists and how am I going to get people? But, you know, when I, I teach marketing and one of the things I say is that people aren't they're not coming to you because you've got this certification and this certification. Like Mark loves to say, like they no. don't they don't give a shit, right? Our patients don't well, care on top of that, all the letters behind your on name. On top of right? that, someone's yeah. got better technical skill than you and they're right down the street from you. Right. Right. So they're not necessarily coming to you for your technical skill. So when we're when we're teaching the marketing, we're like, it don't advertise all these things that you do. It's the experience people are looking for, right? Show them. So if you're going to do marketing, at least, you know, word of mouth, of course, is really powerful. But if you've just started out and you, you know, you want to get on social media and start show, actually show the experience of what it's like to see you as a therapist, because that's what people care about. Brand and experience. when you're really great and they can see that and they can feel that and they see themselves as one of your patients, then you're good. So, I mean, I, I agree with that completely. You want to market yourself? Well, first make sure that you actually are really, really good at what you're doing. Well, interestingly enough, back when I was 18, there was really not much social media. At least I wasn't aware of it. And, you know, that's um, 45, 46 years ago. Yeah, you didn't have that. So my social media was my touch. Mm -hmm. I touched everyone. If I would... Somebody said to me, what kind of massage do you do? I don't care if we're in a restaurant. I don't care where we are. I'd say, sit down. Let me work on your shoulders for five minutes. And it was my touch that sold it. It wasn't anything else. Yep. So show, don't tell. You know, I just did it on them. Even their hands, I would touch. Did you ever have to worry about, not worry about, worry about is the wrong way to say it. Did you ever have to deal with the sexualization of massage? So, for example, we ha we're really friendly now with um, one of the the founders of a, of a massage school in Toronto. And it's a legacy school. It's been around for a long time. And she's been a therapist probably since like the late 70s, 70s right? Yeah. And she still talks about like the first time she was doing massage and had to deal with like all, all the sexual shit Because she had to it. market herself the same exactly. way, right? Like so, just get out there and start touching. People. Exactly. So I'm curious when you say it like that, do you also have to deal with all the the the, the creepos as well, or does did that just kind of not come your way? I'd say in the very very beginning when I was young, um, there were definitely some attempts at people confusing, my, you know, massage for something else. But um, early on, I I've just always had a really compassionate approach in life. Mm -hmm. Like I remember when I was literally five years old, a man flashed himself to me. And I was in the store with my mom and I said, mommy, that man just showed me his penis. And she said, who? I'm going to call the police right now. And I said, no, that he just needs love. And so I have always had this sense as a child 
of compassion when people are inappropriate sexually, I come to it from a loving place. Mm. So when people did misunderstand it, I took the blame. I said to them, you know, I must not have explained my massage properly to you. I'm really sorry about that. Let me do a better explanation. This is not a sexual experience. This it has obviously it feels good and there's some sensual aspects, but it is not sexual. And so do you agree with that? And I mean, even to a point where when I was in Germany practicing, um, I was young. I, I reached under the body with my hands. And that's when I first started discovering my three-dimensional approach. I reached under the back and I was all the way down to his lumbar section and my face was over his face. Mm -hmm. And he was a very young man and he was very shy. And he opened his eyes and he said to me, am I supposed to kiss you? <laughs> and I said, no. And he said, oh, good. And we both laughed. <laughs> it was like, I said, you know what? I'm sorry. And I learned early on that it's my responsibility as a massage therapist to present my work professionally, to explain what it is. And if somebody after that decides to still try and be a creep, then I end the session. Mm -hmm. I ask people to pay me beforehand. So that way, if they violate me, the, I'm still paid. And I end the session, but it's all about boundaries and clarity Absolutely. and taking the responsibility as a massage therapist to be very clear on what it is I'm offering. Right on. Makes sense. So now you're in Germany. Yeah, I want to go back to Germany. And you're massaging the head of the spa <laughs> uh, after right. receiving so, treatment. So I massage, he gives me a massage, which was great. And then I go to massage him. I'm 18. I'm very nervous. I have no training. And he asked me, where did I go to school? And, and I just made up something. <laughs> You might as well. <laughs> right. Hey, man, when, I, ever know. when I'm on vacation, I'm a surgeon. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> exactly. I said, oh, I went to, you know, whatever school in Boulder, Colorado, and, which didn't exist. And, um, and he said, okay. So I massaged him, and he didn't say one word. And I was like, oh, God, he hates it. I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, how am I going to pay my friend back? <laughs> he gets up off the table. He doesn't say a word to me walks over to the cash register, opens the cash register. I'll never forget that ding. It was like, oh, he's opening the cash register, hands me $50, which was what it cost at that time, mm -hmm. and gave me a $50 tip. <gasps> and he said, when can you start working? And I started working. And I learned enough German to say, drehen Sie sich an die andere Zeit, bitte. Turn over. <laughs> 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 Is this too hard? Is this too soft? And people started coming in and going, we want the American girl. <laughs> nobody understood what I was doing that was so different, nor did I. And finally, I went back to Boulder and I decided maybe I should go to massage school. Since people like my work, I don't know what I'm doing. I should probably go learn something. Mm. So I applied in 1983 to the Boulder School of Massage. Now I have to fact check this. We know you make things up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I remember I'm a cult, right? <laughs> I'm never going to live that down. In 1983, it was called the Boulder School of Massage, which since became the Boulder College of Massage, which since has been closed down after something like 40 or 50 years of being an incredibly successful school. It's a very sad <laughs> event that happened. But in any case, um, at that time, to become a student, they had part of their application process is you had to work on one of the instructors for 15 minutes. And like you said, Amanda, you know, they're very reticent. They're like, who are these people touching me? They've not been to school. So I remember having... Um, the Feldenkrais teacher. And um, he laid down on the table and I said to him, David, could I work longer than 15 minutes? I need to get into a flow. That's not enough time for me to really drop into myself. And he's like, no way. Are you kidding? You're, you don't know what you're doing. You're lucky I'm letting you do 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, fine. So I went into this zone that I go into. I started working on his neck, and within five minutes, he said, you can work on me as long as you want. Wow. And after that, they had an interview process. I came in, and the whole team was sitting there, the director of the school, everyone, and they were looking at me intensely. 
And I said, what's going on? Am I accepted or not? And they said, we have a problem. And I'm like, okay, what? And they said, you could be teaching here right now. So we don't know what to do with you. Mm. And I said, how can I be teaching? I don't know what I'm doing. And they said, that's the thing. You do know what you're doing. You just don't know that you know what you're doing. So we'll make a deal with you. If you come to our school, you have to promise that everything you know intuitively and instinctually, you'll put up on a shelf, you'll let us teach you, you'll be a student. And then when you're done with the two-year training, you will then take off the shelf what you know, add it in, and do whatever you want with it. I agreed. I had the most incredible time. I learned so much about kinesiology and anatomy and pathology and shiatsu and Swedish and integrative. I wouldn't have learned any of this had they not asked me to do that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I was very grateful that they asked. I learned tons. And before I even finished the school, I was actually teaching classes on my own and they were filling up. And I had no name. I called it three-dimensional massage back then. And I was teaching. And that's when I was maybe about 19, and I started teaching my own work called three-dimensional massage back then. It's so interesting when someone does just let down the guard and how the, the floodgates just open up to receive information. Because we have a continuing education company here, and so we see that all the time. Like We'll have a physiotherapist in this room. We'll have a, a manual osteopathic practitioner in the room. We'll have a chiropractor in the room. We'll have an athletic therapist in the room, and they're coming with all of this stuff already. And that's one of the things that I'm always like, guys, okay, I know you know what you know, but you're also here for a reason. So give me the opportunity to kind of display why you, what made you even want to come here in the first place. And it's really funny to watch being met with a wall. And then at some point throughout that day, the wall just kind of crumbles down a little bit, the curtain drops. And that's yes. when that's when the magic happens. And I, I love yes. those moments. But then I also have those moments where, you know, that chiropractor is like, um, I, I, I'm I'm just here for credit, bro. And and that, that's why I'm here. And I don't care to l quote unquote learn from you, massage guy. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's really interesting. I feel like even in those scenarios, though, in every case that I can think of where we've had a student who maybe feels like I'm I'm above this, you know, I've got all of these degrees and all this education in every single circumstance. I know that there's been at least one thing like they'll come to you and say, like, that was really cool or I never thought of this this way or that's an interesting perspective. And so I think, you know, we say this all the time and that's part of the reason we do the podcast. You can learn something from everybody. Mm -hmm. So even even the ones who maybe don't completely let their wall down and let you teach them, they take yeah. something away. Yeah, maybe yeah Absolutely. Well, I grew up with a mom who told me that every single person out there has something to teach you and everyone out there needs love. And so from a child, I learned that and I'm always open. I actually learn from my clients as much as they may receive from me. I learn from them. Yeah. I, I don't know if you mentioned this and we just missed it somehow, but before going to massage school, how did you end up in Germany? Like what made you decide to go work in Germany for that year before going to school? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, when I graduated from high school, my grandmother had offered a gift to my sister, who's two years older than me, to go to Europe for two weeks on a tour. And I've always been a really adventurous kind of person. And I was like, I don't want two weeks on a tour. I want to do my own thing. So grandma, can I take the same money you were going to give, mm -hmm. pay for the tour and just go and do my thing and try and stay as long as I can with that money? And she said, sure. So I ended up meeting, uh, my mom had, a, uh, she was in the choir and her friend ran the choir and he had a dear friend in Munich. So he gave me his number. I called him. He said I could stay with him. And that's who ended up paying for the massage for me. And I paid him back. Mm -hmm. um, and I went from there to becoming an editor, a film editor, and ended up staying, instead of two weeks, staying about five months in Munich, being a film editor and climbing mountains every weekend. And wow. so that's what I did. And then I went from Germany to Nepal and climbed a 21,800-foot peak and spent a year in, in Nepal thinking I was going to be there for two weeks and then went from Nepal back to Germany 
worked again in the massage place, Salty Oberai, it was called. Worked there for a while, did more editing, and then uh, came back. So what could have been a two-week trip turned into about a two-year trip. Wow. So interesting. The things people do, right? (laughs) The things people do. So now you've gone to massage school, you've learned all this stuff. So at least now you have I guess, the credentials behind what you're doing. But when you right. went back into practicing, um, I know this is going to sound like a stupid question, but honestly, did you did you find the stuff you learned very helpful in your practice? Did it did change, it change the way that you, th- that you practiced? Did it change the way you looked at bodies? Or did you go back to sort of your intuitive type of, of massage and the way you touch people? I would say both. Um, l- knowing anatomy was extremely helpful. And knowing pathology was helpful. I would take things from the shiatsu I learned, from the integrative I learned, from the Swedish I learned. I took all different things from them. I also learned Aston patterning. I took, I was like a sponge. I took everything in and brought it into my work. So I really believe that that school made me 10 times better than I would have been had I not gone. Mm. That, that being said, I took what I learned and then added my piece in, which is, I feel, the missing piece in most massage schools, which is that deep, intuitive, creative place of how am I actually making contact with this person's body? I'm not just doing a stroke, but what am I doing when I touch them? Is my whole hand hitting them at once? Is just part of my hand then some of my hand? Like I studied myself. How, what am I doing here that's different? Um, people started saying to me, your massages, you're touching me in a way no one has ever touched me before. And yet I had the same training as everyone else. And so I actually had a very interesting story. I was giving a massage to a dear friend of mine, Julie Boston, who just passed a few weeks ago. And uh, her husband had come to me for many, many years for massage. And she did not like massage, but she came to honor him. And I said to her, how do you communicate with with your husband? He's gone. I mean, how do you do it? How do you live without him? He was your best friend for 50 years. And she said, oh, he talks to me all the time. He comes to me in the form of an eagle and talks to me. And I said, well, my dad, who was one of my favorite people on the planet, he died a few months ago and he, he doesn't talk to me at all. And I don't know what to do about that. And she said, you need to be more specific ask him a very specific question and see if you get an answer. So my dad always told me I was a really good writer. And I always put myself down and said, I'm not a good writer, dad. You just love me. And he said, no, you have a very unique style in your writing. I actually studied writing in school. Mm. And so I asked him, dad, should I write? Should I write? Should I be a writer? The massage ended. I stepped outside, I opened the door, and the platform that I step upon had a pen on it. There was no pen there when I came in. And this was a dirty old pen with stuff on it. It's not like a present somebody dropped off. And I went, wow, Julie, do you think this is the answer? I asked if I should write, and here's a pen. And she goes, well, what more proof do you need? And I said, I don't know. I'm pretty much a skeptical around this stuff. And I picked up the pen. It was a big pen. It had a black tip, a black end. It was gray. And in the middle of the pen had a word in black. What do you think it said? I don't know, but I already have chills. I want to <laughs> know. What did it say? Dad. Dad left the pen. Yep. said dad. I'm staring at Mark as you're saying this because we've had discussions surrounding, you know, getting messages and feeling people and all of these things. And I, I always look at him when we talk about this, like, He's more of a skeptic in this sense. How do you feel about that? People getting messages from... Why not? Sure. Yeah? I'm down with that. Anything's possible. What do I know? Anything's possible. I don't know anything. The less I know, the more things are possible. Like, so my stupidity actually supports all of this stuff. (laughs) stupidity. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I was like you, Mark, though. I thought, my dad is not going to talk to me. Hmm. And then I could not dispute a pen that says dad. That's pretty clear. So that gave me the courage to walk upstairs and call Massage Magazine. And I talked to Karen Menahan, who's been the editor there forever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I said, Karen, I don't know you. You don't know me. But I, can I please tell you this story? 
I told her the story about the pen and my fear of writing. She said, I have chills. I want you to write for us. What do you want to write? And I said, I want to write an article that talks about what differentiates an ordinary massage from an extraordinary massage. What is the difference when someone walks out and says, that was good, versus, oh, my God, that was extraordinary. That was phenomenal. What's the difference? And she said, that's an article I want to read. And she sent, paid me $300 back then to write an article, and she'd never seen my writing at all. She just did it all on trust. And I wrote my first article called Navigating the Pathway to Phenomenal Touch for Massage Magazine. And that in that process of writing that article, I started literally studying myself. What am I doing differently than other massage therapists? And I started getting massages from as many people as I could to compare what is it that I'm doing. And I ended up coming up with over 100 principles that I use and teach in my institute of what differentiates an ordinary from an extraordinary massage. When you're studying yourself, are you like, there's a couple ways that I see this happening. I see that you're kind of just playing back stuff that you do and then just kind of analyzing in retrospect, right? Mm -hmm. And I've done that with my work. Like sometimes I'll do certain moves and I'm like, well, why did someone respond that way to this? Like there's one thing that I, I, I might use every once in a while and it makes my hand, at least the way I've had it described by a bunch of people, it makes my hand feel like a million miles long, right? Because I start with mm -hmm. at my fingers and the pressure goes into my hand and into my form, but it's all this like big, massive, slow, long, continuous touch. And it makes my hand feel like a million miles long. But that's also me sitting back looking at some of the stuff that I do and kind of analyzing it or are you like are you like a chef in a kitchen and you're trying all these different things and you're like okay well this one I like I like the response I got of this one these things over here not so much I didn't even enjoy doing that not so, how does it work for you when you're when you're doing this analysis of yourself very good question and I can't wait to get a massage from you because I've never had a massage from someone with a mild Hand, long hand. <laughs> but I would have to say I'm definitely not the chef. I am more the first style like you. Mm -hmm. um, I'm kind of going into like this. The best I can describe it is a trance state. And I am, as I'm doing it, I'm feeling it. It's almost as if I step into their body and I feel what am I doing? And it does feel like you described, like when I begin so I'm looking at what I'm doing while I'm doing it in a, in a trance. And so I'm feeling like, wow, okay, I'm entering. What am I doing? I'm entering with the tips of my fingers. I mean, the pads of my fingers, mm -hmm. and but the very, you know, base of it. Then I bring the rest of my hand in. Then I bring my heel in. Then I bring my wrist. Then I bring my forearm. Then I bring my whole arm in. Mm -hmm. And so it does feel like that. And then I noticed before I took my hand off, the other one came in. So I was like, oh, I'm overlapping. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that seamlessness created a feeling, like you said, of having, uh, like one of my, my brother-in-law said to me when he received his first and only session from me, he said, it feels like you're on roller skates because you're, you're at my foot, then you're at my neck. How are you there so fast? But it's because I am continuing the stroke mm -hmm. from the foot up the leg up the back up to the neck and the head and down and it does feel like one long arm mm -hmm. so i don't know if that answers your question but yeah, yeah, i i'm just kind of paying attention to what i'm doing as i'm doing it while i'm in this kind of internal state so off mic leslie you had mentioned um a background in psychology as well does that play into the therapy that you do and how so and when did when, when did that did come happen? in yeah. yeah when did this happen when did that happen I mean we left off she was only 19 there's lots of time I know a friend of mine says everything happened to you when you were 19 I don't understand this because I get kind of get stuck <laughs> on that age but it's like and I was in Nepal when I was 19 and I was here when I was 19 I'm like how could I so it's kind of like that 19 was like that long arm you know <laughs> it was probably <laughs> 18 to 22 within this time frame, you know, mm. I mean, I went to school in 83. So whatever that made me, I was probably in my early 20s. I don't know. But everything happened when I was 19. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> the psychology piece, when did it come in? And how does it play into your type of therapy? Very good question. So uh, 
when I'm in massage school, I'm practicing the massages, but no matter what form of massage I did, everyone cried on my table, everyone. And I kept going to my teachers and saying, what is going on? Why is everyone crying on my table all the time? And they said, well, you obviously have some kind of a presence that allows them to feel safe and and met. And in that process, they let down their guard. And so they suggested, since every, I said to them, I don't know what to do with it. They're crying. Some of them are going into full-on trauma releases, and I don't know where to go with it. I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss. So they told me, why don't you study psychology or breath work or something like that so that you can know what to do when these people go into these places since they're going there anyway. And so I first studied breath work. Do you know what that is? The holotropic breath? Yep. Yeah, I studied that with Alex Milanis. And that was about a year program. And we learned how to do breath work. And breath work is that fast breathing. Um, and it brings up lots of emotion. And the body can shake and brings up a lot of trauma. And so I learned how to work with trauma and trauma release from them. But that wasn't enough. And I said, okay, that's great, but I still feel inept. So then I went and got my master's in psychology just so that I would have some idea how to talk to them and work with them when things rose. Hmm. But that wasn't enough because the master's in psychology was more about sitting in an office and talking to somebody. Mm -hmm. This was on the table. So then I did a training, a three-year training called Integrative Body Psychotherapy, IBP. It was it was um, created by Jack Rosenberg and Marjorie Rand. And um, David Sawyer and Suzanne Marie in Boulder, Colorado taught it. And I studied with them for three years and learned how to how to work with the body as it releases in a, in a therapeutic fashion. And I just brought it all together. So I do both sessions with people that are just body-centered psychotherapy. They're not there for a massage. And I do massages where people will emote and I know how to work with them better. But we have a different focus on each one. Wow. Now I have to ask the question I asked Joe. That uh, you, If you have a question, you go first because you'll forget. I want to go back to your, your article for a second. How was the article received? Was mm-hmm. And what were the takeaways from that article? I love your questions. So the article was received really well. I got tons and tons of positive response, lots of people wanting to learn the work, um, which at that point wasn't even my intention. I wasn't teaching it. I was just doing it. And so that kind of inspired me to teach it. Um, But in the process of writing the article, she said to me, pick 10 principles that you think separate an ordinary from an extraordinary massage. So I said, okay, that's easy. I'll pick 10 principles. And in the process of picking 10 principles, I'm like, well, wait a minute. There's this, and there's this, and there's this. And there were 100 principles birthed in the process of writing the article. So what I did was I did 10 titles and then put 10 principles under each title. (laughs) So That's resourceful. I got all of it in there, yeah. Um, And then more after it came. So... uh, that article was very well received, and it also encouraged me and inspired me to become a teacher of this work. Do you think that article, if you, if it was to get published in Massage Mag today, would get that same reception to it? Absolutely. It's kind of like the work I do is kind of like ancient wisdom. Nothing changes in it. It's like Thich Nhat Hanh. Do you know Thich Nhat Hanh? No. He passed recently, but he was a beautiful Vietnamese monk who lived in France, but he was born in Vietnam. He won the Nobel Peace Prize. His whole saying was being peace. Don't try and make peace, be peace. Mm. And every time he'd give a talk for, he was in his 80s when he died, he would give talks for 40, 50, 60 years. And he said the same thing every time he'd stand up there and say, there's nothing new. It's the same principle, be Mm. present, Listen, be compassionate, walk in another's shoes, understand, um, and be, become the peace you want to be. That's how my work is. 
I could that article could be published right now. As a matter of fact, it's on my website under articles, and people still I pass it out in my classes. People still are very deeply touched by it because those principles will never change. My work did not come from me making up moves. Mm -hmm. I practiced the principles and the strokes came out of it. So in other words, I teach a class called the infinite landscape of touch. And that is all principles. I don't even teach one move. Mm -hmm. And I say, just do these principles. If you work three-dimensionally and you use momentum and you st- and you get behind your move and you pay attention to a speed limit and you hook onto the tissue and move the tissue and work three-dimensionally and move the body in space, you're going to do this move, this move, this move. It's just going to naturally happen. Right. Your question actually kind of answered my question. I want to hear. Um, I want to know so when I was, we were talking to Joe and he was describing just how. I think watching you work or learning from you like literally made him cry, you know, like he was just so, so obsessed with what you're doing and he wanted to learn. Um, <clears throat> he wanted to learn how to uh, provide treatments like you do. So I said to him, I know this is really hard to put into words, but like what is phenomenal touch massage and what are like, so I, I think your, your answer to that just answered this question is that you're teaching principles and they're based so it's not just learning techniques it's learning principles but I guess what I wanted to know was is it focused a lot on um, technical stuff is it focused on touch is it focused on intuition is it focused on um, being able to read your client is there psychology or is it all of these things together god I just love your questions all of it but it has to happen in a certain order. You can't walk in and teach somebody to do a particular principle and expect them to get the move right away. Uh, I use the analogy coats of paint. So when you put the first coat of paint on the wall, barely anything sticks. You have to put a primer. The primer is the principles. Then you go back and put the second coat of paint on, which is the moves, and then more sticks. And then, so we have... Um, four different levels. Level one, we do 25 moves and 20 principles. Level two, level three, and level four, they progress. Um, But each one is another coat of paint. And by the time you finish all four levels, you move into the practitioner level, which is level five, where you bring everything together, review everything, and put your last coat of paint on, and you become a practitioner of this work. Mm. So We begin more intuitive with principles. Then as we learn the moves, we have to back up and become more mechanical. As you learn the move, it's like, okay, here's this beautiful flowing move called rock and roll. And we're using fulcrums and the neck is moving up and down. But when you learn it, it's going to be step one, step two, Hmm. step three, step four. And then after you do one, two, three, four, over and over, then maybe one turns into one, two, and then one, two, three, and then one, two, three, four, and then it becomes one move, then you dance with it. So it is a process of beginning with the principle, backing up, getting technical, getting mechanical. From mechanical, you move a little bit more into creative. And then from that, you move back into intuitive and bring it all together. We always say on our episodes when we talk to different therapists that massage therapists just by nature, I'm noticing this pattern of every therapist I talk to are primarily very creative people. Like there has mm-hmm. to be a creative element. Mm-hmm. I think I, I shouldn't say there has to be because there's going to be some therapist who listens to this and is like, I'm not creative at all. But I think really great massage therapists, or at least the ones I know, there's a lot of musicians there. We've had singers, we've had actors, we've had writers, we've had I don't know, all sorts of creative type people, a lot of therapists we've talked to, you know, their hobbies are cooking or, you know, painting just there's, there's such a creativity um, in this group of people. So I find it interesting that your, your whole process started with this sort of intuitive creativity that you knew, like, I have something here, but I don't know what it is. I want to go find a therapist who won't classify themselves as a creative type and get a treatment. 
And then I want to go find someone that classifies himself as a creative type. And I want to see what the differences are. Interesting. We yeah. can do so many experiments with yeah. this. Mm -hmm. Why, Leslie, when you first started, why did you call it three-dimensional massage? Well, <clears throat> I want to just back up for a second to what you said about, um, you know, in the beginning, I started really creative and or intuitive. My very, very first class I taught, I wrote the notes on toilet paper in the bathroom. I had no idea <laughs> what I was doing. <laughs> I was like, what am I going to teach these people? I don't know what I'm doing. So I just jotted down some notes on toilet paper and my friend David Sawyer was there. He teaches um, a form of Watsu. He's an amazing Watsu practitioner. He travels all over the world. He's very good at articulating. And I said to him, David, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know what I'm doing. He said, you just do it and I will explain it. So as I started doing it, he started articulating what I was doing. And that began the beginning of my notes. So I went from toilet paper notes to now they get a you know 55-page handbook in the class. Every single move has a name. Every single move has a description. We now have DVDs or whatever online um, videos of every single move we teach. And we have manuals describing every move. So I went from toilet paper to that. And I learned in the process. <laughs> that is fantastic. I need a David in my life. Let me tell you why. Because <laughs> I have people and like, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not tooting my own horn as a therapist, but I, I mean, I've been doing it for 12 years. I've obviously got some sort of skill in this field, yeah. right? But I've had people say to me, like, I can't describe what it is you do and like how you just know what I need in these moments. Like, I, yes, there is some, uh, there's obviously technical training behind what I do and I do do assessment. But a lot of what I do, I do find is more intuitive. Like I would sometimes rather just get my hands on somebody, especially if I'm dealing with somebody, for example, with like chronic pain, I could assess every, it, it doesn't even make sense, right? Like everything hurts all the time with everything they do. So I, I do a lot of my work is very intuitive, I guess, that I just start working and, you know, figure out what they need in that moment. And there's times where I've thought about like, how would I describe the way that I treat? And it's like, I don't know. I just know what to do. I need a David to watch me and say, this is what you're doing. <laughs> okay. I'll give you his phone number. <laughs> I need a David. There we go. Yeah, He really um, helped launch my career without even knowing it because he has a mind like that. And I don't, or at least I didn't after, you know, writing a book, I wrote a book and seven articles and writing, describing all the moves over the last, you know, 25 years Thanks, or so. Dad. Thanks, Dad, Running, for the pen. Yeah, thanks, Dad. <laughs> well, he not only, I signed, I wrote a book called Hot Stone Massage, A Three-Dimensional Approach for Lippincott, which is now published by Jones and Bartlett Learning. It um, is a 200 and something page book, and it took me four years to write, but I signed the contract with that pen. <laughs> Amazing. Right. I wanted yeah. to know why you called it three-dimensional massage. Where did, did that come that. from? Yeah. So three-dimensional for me means um, several things. The first aspect of it was I was finding that I was reaching under the body all the time. Mm. I was not working the body from the top down. And I'm like, well, the body is not flat. It is three-dimensional. I want to work both sides at once. Plus, you get twice as much work in the same amount of time, right? So I started getting really low, like I'm playing pool, you know, and stretching my body out and reaching way under and working both sides at once. Mm -hmm. So that's how three-dimensional began. It's like, well, it's both dimensions. It's not a flat massage. But then I started lifting and moving the body in space and moving the body fluidly as if in water, like Watsu. Mm -hmm. And so I said, wow, it's three-dimensional in the fact that it's going up and down too. And then it's also multidimensional in that I'm paying attention to so many different levels at once, how I'm making contact, how I'm moving the body. I'm listening on so many levels. So it's three-dimensional or multidimensional for all of those reasons. Does that make sense? That Absolutely. makes perfect sense. The first time I saw it under the body, though, I was like, that is so cool. I would, because I, I 
coming from a massage, a formal massage therapy right. program, was never shown that before. And Plus, it's you're not, a kinesiologist. It, it's it's not. Yeah, I wasn't into body work. Right? Yeah. I didn't know anything. And it's not till I saw a Lomi treatment, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I never th- would have thought of doing something like that before. That's actually what I've been picturing a lot is um, the way you're talking about the flow and working from you know the foot to the head all in one move. I'm picturing mm-hmm. something that could almost look dance like like a Lomi treatment. Um, mm-hmm. I want to ask you, not because I care, but because I feel it's my job to ask you here, is what do you think about uh, research with what you teach and what you do? Is there ever people who say, like, is there research to support this? We know what are you doing scientifically? Because, you know, there's always the people that want to know where, what, who are you and why should I listen to you? Basically. <laughs> exactly. Um, I am definitely not a very scientific person. Um, I did not study any of these things when this work came out. I didn't even know what Lomi Lomi was or Thai massage or Watsu. I didn't know any of these existed. This work just came out of me. But Mm -hmm. then afterwards, people would say to me, that feels like Watsu or that feels like Lomi Lomi or that feels like Thai. So then I would go and get sessions so I would understand. So I kind of did it backwards. What are they talking about? And then I did study Traeger massage. Traeger is like where you rock the body. Mm-hmm. I studied Traeger massage. I studied uh, some Watsu. I studied uh, a little bit of Thai. And so, and then I incorporate hot stones. So all that stuff came after. So yes, I, I didn't create this out of a scientific analytical background, but I added it in after and it thickened it. It made it richer. Um, the only way I would say I can defend or, you know, why somebody would want to take this is feel it. And I am more than happy to give people a free short session so that they can decide for themselves if they and why they'd want to come. But I can't explain why. And I like your approach in that you have no problem saying like, I don't, I don't know why this works or why that, but but it does. And, yeah. you know, being able to admit that, you know, I'm not sure why, but the clinical outcomes I'm getting are amazing. And so this is, you know, I'm going to yeah. run with this. But then also actually taking the time to study these things once you realize, oh, there is a form of therapy that kind of aligns with what I'm doing. Let me learn about it. Well, not only that, it's like you're one of the few people that we've had on the podcast that when they talk about their learning, their education, it sounds like you're going at it from, I have. I have a clientele, I have people in front of me and I want to be able to serve them better. Yeah. So I'm going to go get my master's degree in psychology yeah. so I can serve you better versus, mm-hmm. you know, how most people end up deciding what continuing education they're going to do is like, well, I want to add this to my practice or I want to learn this for me. And then hopefully yeah. it'll make me some money in the, you know, versus mm-hmm. this is, this is, this is how I can better serve the people that yeah. are in front of me. Yeah. I dig it. Beautiful. Dig it. Beautifully said. I am all about service. As a matter of fact, most of my massages, I forget to ask for payment. People leave and then they're like, oh, right, I never paid you. I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot to ask because, yes, I do need to make a living, but I don't do it for money. If I um, did not need to make any money, I would still massage every day of my life, every person I could, every age, every anything. I absolutely love what I do and I love serving. And so, yes, anything that... I'm missing in my practice because I can't meet somebody. I'm going to go learn so that I can actually serve them better. Leslie, do you have an ideal client or do you have a typical type of clientele that comes to you? It's shifted over the years. Um, But I want to back up for one sec. I'm just remembering something you said about um, the the freedom that um, you can have possibly in this kind of work. And um, Joe, one of the things Joe Lavin said to me, which really struck me was, This work gave me permission to express myself fully, both in my body work and in my life. So this work gives people permission to take it to the next level, to express it. Like you were saying, Mark, you were saying, you know, um, well, not everyone feels um, safe to do that. But Mm -hmm. this work says, you got it, do it, take it, go to that next level. Mm -hmm. And the principles are something that we live. It's not just in body work. So we'll talk about 
okay, you know, you get a massage and somebody might be excellent, but their entrance is really abrupt. And so we talk about how you enter with your hand, but then we also talk about, well, how do you enter the room? How do you, do you walk up to somebody and grab their shoulders and say, can I work on you? Or do you slowly enter into them? So every principle we teach, speed limit, um, watching the direction you go, hooking onto the tissue, every single principle we bring fulcrums, we bring into our life. I was gardening and I realized I was using my thumb as a fulcrum to get in. So we we make the principles a um, a life practice as well as in the massage. And that's one of the reasons this work is so profound and why people who study it um, you know, they, they transform their lives completely from the training. So very cool. I think this is a good time, Leslie, actually, to let people know who are listening, who are thinking they want to learn more, possibly take some of the training, um, to let people know where they can find you. If you have a website they can go to. I know, you know, Joe mentioned many, many years ago, it wasn't functioning, but guys, it is functioning perfectly well. <laughs> so Leslie, what is uh, your contact information for people who want to okay. learn more from you? Great. So you can go to phenomenaltouch.com. That's my website, which is, we're redoing it right now. So it's not complete, but it's beautiful. And the links work, <laughs> I promise you. And you can call 303. 818-9771. That's the Institute's number. And you will get me sometimes. Otherwise, you'll get some of my teachers. Um, we have an amazing staff. Um, so that's the best way to reach me. Or you can email me at leslie at phenomenaltouch.com. But can I go back and tell you, talk about Joe for a minute? Absolutely. Yes, you can. And, and Jonathan. I would love to talk about Jonathan Grassi, who Joe referred to mm -hmm. as the person he watched massaging and how he was yes. taken by him. Yes. So when Joe came to the school, he had come, as he explained, more from a, a background of finance. And he was learning massage, but he was much more clinical. Mm -hmm. And as I said in the, his, his quote, is my work gave him permission to express himself more fully but when he came here, he was a little bit nervous. Like he was like, do I have to take the whole program? And I said, no, you can take just level one. But if you decide to continue on after level one, then you need to commit to the practitioner program, which is five levels. And he's like, I can't commit to that. I said, don't just do level one and we'll see. He walks in the room and this particular group, we did have smoke coming out of a beautiful um, <laughs> waterfall thing. And we had music playing. And we had poetry. It was a really beautiful entrance to people and drop them. In. We, we do chanting in our school. So it drops people into their heart. He walks in, he sees all this and he gets scared. He's like, oh my God, what is going on? <laughs> and um, then he watches uh, the first demo, which happened to be Jonathan. Then he watched me and he came up to me after and he said, is it in tears in his eyes? And he said, is it too early to say I already loved you? <laughs> I said, it, it's never too early for that, Joe. And he became a, a incredible supporter of my work. He did the whole program. He went on then to take some of my teachers. He took, um, well, Travis is one of his students who also studied with me and then Jonathan only studied with me, and then uh, Tracy Windmill, who also studied with me. He took them and brought them with him to the world championship. Mm -hmm. And he, of course, asked me to go because I'm the founder of the work. But at that moment, I had fallen at a hot springs and broke four ribs and tore my rotator cuff. So I was not in a position to travel to... Denmark and compete in a competition. So I said to both Jonathan and Tracy, please go and win for us. Do it for us. Hmm. And they're like, well, we don't know if we're going to win, but we're just going so that we can share the work because we love the work and we just want to expose it to the world. And it ends out that Travis won gold and Jonathan or Tracy won silver and Jonathan won bronze. And it was actually Jonathan's massage that was on online from the World Championship 
that has probably brought me more business than anything else mm. because everyone who sees that they their jaw drops they're floored and they say what is this that he is doing i want to learn it and they'll contact him and he always sends them to me mm. even though he's an instructor for our school he always says learn from the master and so does joe and they give me you know they send people to me to learn but those people supported the work and they went and they won because it speaks for itself the work is jaw dropping and beautiful to to look at it's like a dance but to feel it is even more incredible so we were brought to italy this year and we went to the world massage conference or the world massage meeting and we presented phenomenal touch to with all of the top uh, massage founders in the world and it was quite an honor it went on for three days and we got to see tons of different work mm -hmm. and when i finished my presentation the audience was dead quiet and i said uh what happened <laughs> did you guys what did you think they were dead silent and this woman in the front row stands up and burst into tears and she goes i'm just so moved by your work and then the whole audience was in tears and they were so moved so the work is very very touching to see very touching to experience and i would just love to share it with as many people in the world that mm. want to learn i feel like you had a flashback to being 18 in germany <laughs> massaging the therapist and at the end going i don't know how this went <laughs> until you hear the ding of the cash register that's it exactly yes you know exactly. i'm listening to this and i'm like i now i'm i'm going to have to go and read the article with the principals i'm going to have to go and watch the video like i i need to definitely see this and you know hopefully one day experience it. Um, but I, I, the reason I asked you before, who is your ideal client or do you have an ideal client mm. is once again, I have, I've gone to school and I've always practiced in Ontario. And I don't know if you know anything about Ontario, Canada, but we're a little hoity-toity when it comes to massage therapy. We're what? We are. We're hoity-toity. I, I just want to hear you say that again. <laughs> I've not, trained many people from Canada. And so, so, not, so, so not myself and Mark, because myself and Mark are actually much more open-minded. And this is why we do this kind of thing. Is it because comes we, with being stupid. We remember? Want, <laughs> right, right. We're stupid, so we're very open-minded. But we very want good. to showcase global massage, you know, like what, what massage therapy looks like around the world, not just what we learn here in Ontario. So because we're regulated healthcare professionals in Ontario, like what you do is... It probably isn't typical for us. I mean, in terms of like our training, everything is much more technical and there's so many rules and draping boundaries and, you know, and there's we've got rules coming out of every orifice of our body. So when I hear this, I'm thinking. I know there's going to be like Ontario therapists or even in British Columbia, they also, you know, a lot of rules, a lot of regulations. I know there's going to be people thinking like, so are there, you know, um, what are the, what are the clinical outcomes? What are the the therapeutic um, benefits of this type of work? And does it work? You know, is it the same type of treatment for all types of injuries? Is there an assessment component to it? Like these types of things go through my mind right away because we were trained in such a stringent technical way versus the intuitive creative way. If that makes sense, yeah, absolutely. So I have several clients over the years from Canada. They've either studied with me in Mexico. I have a, a little home in Yalapa, Mexico, where I offer lots of seminars and retreats. Um, it's a beautiful village. You can only get there by boat and everything's on foot. And I teach there and a lot of people from Canada go to Yalapa because it's warm. And so I've taught a lot of people from Canada in Yalapa. And all of them say the same thing as you. You could never come and teach this here. It's, you know, we're very, very strict. But they've invited me and they want me to come there. And the other thing is I need you to know that even though it's very flowing and intuitive, it is very, we have a lot of rules here too. And the AMTA, they control how you drape everything. Right. And you are fully draped in this massage Every time I'm lifting you, I'm draping you, you're covered. It's completely mm. respectful. So it is, even though it's very fluid and like a dance, you are still very, very 
um, covered and treated very professionally. But as far as the the perfect ideal client, honestly, the ideal client is everyone because I the number one principle is being present and meeting your client. So mm-hmm. I work with 90-year-olds who can barely move, and I work with 25-year-old yoginis who can twist in a pretzel. It doesn't matter. The massage is adapted to them, and the principles are still used. So I, I worked on a man named Jack Bell for many, many years in his 90s, a commander in the Navy. And uh, he could barely move his body at all. But he would still say to me, you're moving me and touching me in a way no one ever has. Even he said that. And I'm like, how is that possible? I'm barely moving you. But the principles of how you make contact, of moving the tissue rather than your hands over the tissue, using fulcrums, using momentum, following a speed limit, going through the tissue, not to, all these principles apply to any age, any type, anything. So you don't have one form where you flip everybody around. I do turn people over, but not everyone. And so the principles are there first, and then the degree of of movement that you do and the degree of yoga-like moves depends on the agility of the person. But it's Mm -hmm. not one type of massage for everyone. It's one principle, several principles that are the same, but the actual massage looks different on every person. That makes sense. And that, you know, Joe, Joe's probably one of your biggest cheerleaders and he, and, you know, he talked to us a little bit about just the phenomenal outcomes he gets in his, his practice. Do you have like any stories that stick out to you of, you know, someone who came to you with something, some sort of um, concern that you were able to get results using your unique style of therapy. Absolutely. And that is, you know, the number one thing of why not only did people say you're touching me in a different way, but they're saying I am getting results that I've not gotten anywhere from any other form of body work. And that's what speaks for itself. So I had a woman, for instance, um, her name was Lori Jensen Trujillo. She came to me, she needed neck surgery. And she said, I'm scheduled for surgery. I have a disc injury. So be really careful. I said, great. We'll be really careful, but we'll be really slow. And you tell me every second if anything feels too much. She had a rib out on her left shoulder. We worked for two hours very slowly in her rib area and in her neck area. And when she was done, she said, I'm in absolutely no pain. And she went back to the doctor and they did more x-rays. And she said, I do not, or CAT scans, I do not need surgery. And this has happened to me when I was literally 16. I was living in New Jersey and I was hanging out with my next door neighbors and they were really cool people. And one of them said he was getting a knee surgery. He had a meniscus tear. So I was literally 16 years old and I said to him, can I just work on your knee? And he goes, I don't see what you can do. I I have a tear. I went into a trance. I put my hands on both sides of his knee. And for 45 minutes, I went into a trance and went inside his body. I could literally see his body. I moved things around like I was a laparoscopic camera. And I, I don't know what I did. All I know is that when he went to get surgery, they did a sonogram back then and they said, it's fixed. We don't know what happened. So there is some powerful magic, both in the work and in my hands, that is beyond anything I can explain. Like you said, clinical outcomes speak for themselves. And that, you know, that's part of when it comes to body work, research can't explain everything. We know there's not even enough research about everything. But I based on what you're saying, like I said, I think we need to we need to bring you here to Canada. We need to see this and we need to people need to study this and figure out what what is it you're doing or not even figure out, just be able to see that you're getting these incredible outcomes and, you know, there's something to this and we maybe could all use uh use some training from Leslie. What do you think? Speaking of training, I just want you to know that I have an extraordinary small group of master instructors and they are all on my website right now. As I said, I'm up doing it. 
So I'm in the middle of, of finalizing things. So all of their information is not finalized, but there's uh, Cedar Johnson and Mary Stark and Jonathan Grassi, Christina Russell, Ancha Rojcek, Sue Buell, um, Kristen McCormick. We have um, Riley Jernigan, so many really amazing instructors that they could go to besides me that I have worked with for between five and 10 years. And they can also learn from them. So it's not, you know, it's, it's very available. This is super interesting, Leslie. And thank you. Well, thanks, Joe, for introducing us. But thank you for wanting to come on and clear up the fact that <laughs> you do not run a cult. You run an institution. <laughs> and I'm really happy that I got a chance to pick your brain and figure out what it is you're doing. And now I'm definitely going to go back and read that article and watch the video of Jonathan doing the massage. And I I just want to see what it is you're doing because it sounds phenomenal. I will send you those all of those links. And um, Jonathan is another person besides David who is excellent at helping describe and articulate what you do. He's an amazing speaker. And one of the videos that I will send you is we did a live stream for Italy uh, maybe six months ago of me massaging for about 45 minutes. And Jonathan is describing what I'm doing, the principles. Mm. So I will send that to you as well. Perfect. Very cool. Yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah, this Absolutely. Is great. Thanks for hanging out. Thank you. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. Peace.